joy awaits my praise. Come on, sing it out, church. I give thanks for all you have done. And I will sing of your mercy and your love. Your love is unfailing. Lord, I am grateful. All right, let's testify. I was down. You brought me out. You set my feet on higher ground. So here I stand. You are my God. Your faithfulness is my solid rock. I give thanks for all you Church, let's lift our hands and worship this morning. And as we lift our hands up, heaven's open, heaven's open. So let our lives declare the love our God has spoken over. Sing that again. And as we lift our hands up, heaven's open. Heaven's open, so let our lives declare the love our God has spoken over us. Amen. All right, sing it out. I give thanks. I give thanks for all you have done, and I will sing and tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise the glories of my God and King the triumphs of His grace my gracious Master and my God assist me to proclaim to spread through all the earth abroad the honors of thy name. 
Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Oh, my soul. Shout his praise, never ending. Praise the Lord forevermore. Jesus, the name that charms our fears, that bids our sorrow cease. Tis music in the sinner's ears, tis life and health and peace. For he breaks the power of canceled sin, he sets the prisoner free. His blood can make the foulest clean. His blood availed for me. So praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Oh, my soul. Shout his praise. Never ending. Praise the Lord forevermore. Glory to God and praise and love be ever, ever give. By saints below and saints above, the church in earth and heaven. So praise the Lord, hallelujah. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. Shout his praise, never ending. Praise the Lord forevermore. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Oh, my soul. Shout his praise. Never ending. Praise the Lord forevermore.
I've heard a thousand stories of what they, they think you're like. And I've heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night. And you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone you're a good good father it's who you are it's who you are it's who you are I am loved by you it's who I am it's who I am it's who I am I've seen many searching for answers far and wide, but I know that we're all searching for answers. Only you can provide, cause you know just what we need before we Say a word, you're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I am loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways to us. It's love so undeniable. I, I can hardly speak peace so unexplainable I I can hardly think as you call me deeper still as you call me deeper still as you call me deeper still into love love you're a good good father it's who you are it's who you are it's who you are and i am loved by you it's who i am it's who i am it's who i am you're a good good father it's who you are it's who you are, it's who you are, I am loved by you, it's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am. Father, we couldn't pray a truer prayer than that this morning. You are so good to us. Thank you, Lord, for how good you are to us this morning. 
thank you for all the ways that we can think of that you are good to us, Lord. All the things that are tangible to us, all the things that are real. But God, thank you for all the ways that you're good to us that we can't even begin to see or comprehend that play a part in, in who we are, Lord. Thank you for the goodness of this place this morning. Thank you for the goodness of this time that we have, Lord, to spend with you. Father, this isn't you coming into our presence. This is us coming into an awareness of who you are and the fact that you're always here with us, that your goodness doesn't start or stop with a service, that it always is. And we just now together as a body stand and recognize it. Lord, it's who we are this morning, your people, your children. Lord, help us to cling to that truth this morning. Help us to cling to that identity of who we are because of who you are today. Father, allow your love to spread to the deepest parts of, of who we are this morning and what we need it to apply itself to. May we hear your words in everything that is said and done today, Lord, in every interaction, in every handshake, Lord. Thank you so much for what we have here because of your love for us. It's in your name we pray. Our God is good, and I got to sit in a living room last night visiting with Rick and Tammy Jacob, and who just two days before had been in, in intensive care, and because of God's faithfulness and goodness, they are home, and we continue to have stories that God adds to our lives of his always showing up, perhaps when we need him most, we least expect it, but he's faithful when he's there, and that's what a God of covenant does, and we've been talking about covenant these last several weeks together and what it looks like in our lives and what, how God has shown and proven himself to us and also the opportunities that we have as covenant partners with God then to carry on his work, to be his hands and feet, to, to love as he has loved us. And through our covenant learnings, we've discussed uh, this ceremony that, that Abraham would have been very familiar with that God uh, enters into his life and goes through and reveals to Abraham because I'm going to covenant with you and I will be your protector. I'll be your provider. I've got this dream, this plan for you, Abraham. You're going to be the father of many nations, as many as uh, the stars in the sky. And Abraham, through his humanity, learned some of these lessons the hard way, but God continued to be faithful. But through this ceremony of covenant that would have been very familiar to Abraham in, in, in this particular uh, time period, there was an exchange of certain things that represented different parts of the covenant agreement. Exchange of robes and belts and weapons we, we've talked about in recent days is uh, the, the, the sharing, if you will, of enemies, the agreement to protect and to join one another in battle. Uh, there's the sharing of scars, which, which implies this uh, willingness to be marked, to, to be known as partners. The sharing of names, we become a child of God. And God becomes identified as our God. Sharing of a meal, provisions, all of these elements are about sharing life. All of the parts of life in which we face struggles and challenges, God steps into those moments with us and says, I'm going to be right there beside you. I am your covenant partner. Today we're going to have one more covenant conversation, the exchange of strengths. And on Sunday evenings, I've been leading a collective, a men's Bible study, if you will, on the book of Haggai. In the book of Haggai, the prophet shares messages of encouragement to, to, to the spiritual and political leaders of the day. A remnant has just returned from, from Babylon to Israel. The walls of Jerusalem have been, been rebuilt, but the temple of God is still in disrepair. We see in the book of Ezra that Cyrus, the king of Persia, allows for the rebuilding of the temple. But this is an immense and an overwhelming undertaking. 
So the prophets implore the people to, to continue on and encourage them in their work. And a contemporary of Haggai was a prophet, Zechariah. And covenant teaches us to live with the power and authority assured by God, reminding us that he is with us. No matter what Satan throws at us or what the world dumps on us, we can be overcomers. And Zechariah implores and challenges us to recognize that it's not about the buildings. There's so much more going on in our lives, and God wants us to, to get past the things that we see and engage with him in the things that we can't see. To recognize that there's power, there's hope at our fingertips, at our disposal, because our covenant partner, God, is powerful and gracious. Zechariah shares his thoughts. It's a short book. Uh, there, there's not very many uh, thoughts that he shares, but there's some messages that he passes on to the people. Uh, he's encouraging them, wanting them to recognize and to return back to God. God says, just come back to me. Now, God's not talking about a physical location, come back to me. He says, return your hearts to me. Return to me, and I will return to you. This is what covenant does. I'm going to be faithful. So Zechariah is sharing his thoughts with the people, the, the discouraged Jewish people. They've been tasked with rebuilding God's temple. And at this time, Zerubbabel was the governor of this day. Zerubbabel was actually the grandson of Jeconiah. Jeconiah was the king uh, of, of Judah when Babylon took Israel into captivity. So here's Zerubbabel, the grandson, returning back home. He's not the king and king, but he's allowed to govern. He's allowed to lead. And Zerubbabel has been tasked with leading the people in this overwhelming rebuild. But to acquire, to acquire the stone needed to, to rebuild the temple, the Israelites had to quarry rocks out of, out of a great mountain that surrounded Jerusalem. Perhaps you've heard of the legendary uh, Jerusalem limestone. And they would go and they would cut these massive stones and then take them where they needed to be, weighing several tons. It was an overwhelming endeavor. The Israelites had to quarry the rocks had to move them to where they needed to go, literally cutting them from the mountain itself. It was huge. It was discouraging. It was too much. It's here that Zechariah is given a word to share with Zerubbabel and the people. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. So he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. As if to say, yes, I know the stones are heavy. I recognize the work is difficult, but it's not by might and power that you will succeed, but by my spirit. It's not by your works or the things that you do, but it's what my spirit does in you. God is telling the people and is still telling us today, I will do the heavy lifting. Just walk with me. Verse 7, Zechariah says to Zerubbabel, what are you, mighty mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you'll become level ground. And then he will bring out the capstone to shouts of God bless it, God bless it. This is a meaningful passage to me. I'm from West Virginia. I kind of grew up among the, the mountains, the hills, if you will. And when they build homes and businesses and developments in West Virginia, it looks a little different than it does here in Marysville, Ohio. Here you can go and you can just level a piece of ground and you can just throw buildings up really quickly because everything's nice and flat. When you try to build a house on a hill, it's a little more challenging. You've got to take into account some additional factors. And in fact, as you drive through different communities, you'd be amazed that someone put a house there. Are you kidding me? How did that, how did that work out? But it's, it's, it's quite impressive at times to see where developers are able to build and where businesses are able to go. There's just not a lot of flat land. Flat roads? I'll just forget it. I don't have such things in West Virginia. 
but, but the home's built on hillsides. And then finally, this really became real as a teenager. Uh, my dad and I had a lawn business, my brother, and we would cut yards and mow, mow grass. And not many of the yards that we had, you could use a lawn tractor on or a riding implement. It meant there was a lot of pushing up and down, sideways. There's an old joke that one of our legs is shorter than the other because we've walked on the side of a hill for too long. Things weren't flat there. But because of the terrain, overall development has been slow. But you're starting to see new growth. And new growth is happening, it's occurring, as developers had figured something out. They now have the, the equipment and the ability to literally flatten the tops of mountains. And when you see a new development, a new building, a new hospital, whatever it might be, it's because developers go in ahead of time and they literally cut the top off the mountain. I can imagine this was similar to what the thoughts were in Zechariah's words to Zerubbabel. What are you, mighty mountain? You will become level ground. Zerubbabel didn't have big machines, bulldozers, and implements. He just had people. But God's not talking about the stones. He's not talking about the building of the building. God's trying to get a little bit deeper with Zerubbabel. Then he'll bring out the capstone to shouts of God bless it, God bless us. And other translations read, grace, grace to it. Grace is a powerful thing. And it's by the grace of God they've been allowed to return home. And what God's not literally telling Zerubbabel to speak grace to this mountain so it's flattened. Rather, God is saying together, we will flatten this mountain that's before you. And it's not about the building, it's about the hearts of people. See, Zechariah's message was not about a temple, but rather return, or returning to a city, but rather of returning to God. Do you have mountains in front of you today? Mountains that you're facing that just seem too big? Stones you're trying to move that are just too heavy? It's overwhelming and you're tired and discouraged? Take heart because Zechariah's message to the people then is God's message to us today. We, we too can look at, at the things before us and say, what are you, mighty mountain? You'll become level ground. Have you met my covenant partner? He's powerful. He's gracious. He's got all this under control, and you're not bigger than he is. In the New Testament, Jesus uses an idiom. I'm learning a lot about grammar as I continue to dig deeper into God's word. An idiom, uh, a form of speech that's peculiar to itself, uh, but also one that typically cannot be understood without context. And in Matthew chapter 21, this is after Jesus has triumphantly rode into Jerusalem. Uh, we, we're in his last week, if you will, and, and he comes upon this fig tree. It's early in the morning, Scripture tells us, and Jesus was hungry. Verse 19 of Matthew 21 says, Seeing a fig tree by the road, he went up to it, but found nothing on it except leaves. And he said to it, May you never bear fruit again. Immediately, Scripture tells us, Immediately, the tree withered. The fig trees looks it looks full, it looks fruitful. It's, we respond to it. Jesus comes hungry to the tree, but it's nothing but leaves. It's a warning for us as the church. We can look good from a distance. People might come thinking there's some fruit here to be had, but yet they come and they see there's nothing on the tree but leaves. We have to ask the question, church: What kind of fruit are we producing? It's a different message for a different day. But what happens to the tree is a warning for us today. Immediately, the tree withered. I don't believe we're a withering tree. 
nor do I believe that we're a fruitless tree. I believe God is up to something among us in our church. If you continue reading the disciples who are there, they see this and they're amazed. They ask, how did the fig tree wither so quickly? And Jesus replies. And you love how Jesus often answered their question without answering their question. They ask, how did the tree wither so quickly? They're wanting to know what this natural explanation is. And Jesus says, truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and it will be done. And we see Jesus connect the dots from, from Zechariah's encouraging words to the people to now Jesus' encouraging words to his disciples. Jesus isn't speaking of literal mountains, but rather to the mountains that we each face and have in our lives. The challenges, the struggles, the climbs, the illnesses, the discouragements, the wounds, and the hurt. And the list goes on and on, church. We all have mountains that we face. As your pastor, I've been praying over and preparing, honestly, since before I even came, of how God would have us confront the mountain before us. Two years ago this week, it's hard to believe to say that, but it's, it's true, uh, your district superintendent at the time, Reverend Jeff Kunselman, was meeting with your church board. It would be the first time your board would be introduced on paper uh, to Brian and Amy Richardson. Soon after, I would be extended to have an extended conversation with Reverend Kunselman, asking if I would come and meet with your board. He shared details of your church, of your history, of your values, of your community. And part of our conversation we spoke about that day was also the church had a mountain in front of it called debt. Did not fully understand all the details, but explained at the time the church still had a principal balance over $971,000 on their mortgage loan. The dialogue continued. We met with your board on two occasions. We came to, to a meet and greet, and we shared with the congregation. But Amy and I knew this is where God was leading us from the first moments we'd met with your board. God was clear. And I knew that God had already impressed upon me the importance of addressing this mountain that would not only be your debt, would, that would become our debt. It is still a mountain before us. Note that even in the best-case scenario, I, I could not see a path uh, to pay off what was owed in, in less than six to seven years. That's kind of being moderately aggressive. And then how would I even begin to, to get a faith family excited about participating in a capital campaign that lacked a visible or even tangible goal? It, it seemed overwhelming to me. Lord, how do we deal with this? We had to go back and understand how we got here. 2008, I believe, when the activity center was constructed, the classroom wing and renovations were also done to the north end of the church. And then in 2009, 2010, the church went through a difficult season financially. Partly due to the mortgage, the church was unable to pay its annual uh, denominational budgets. So an adjustment was allowed by the mortgage company uh, to, to lower our premium. The current repayment of this new adjustment ends in 2032, if you follow our current amortization chart. But because of the adjustment made in 2010, there will still be a balance that's still owed that will need to be refinanced. Continuing our current payments as we are making them right now will require an additional 13 years to pay off our debt from 2024. Last fall, our board began earnest conversations about this mountain, about the interest, about increasing mortgage rates that will be coming soon and how we could best model stewardship today and prepare for our tomorrows. And we believe and are unified in our belief that God is leading us to make an impact, to impact our tomorrows today, to do something now. 
See, we desire to live out Psalm 145, verse 4, where, where we read, One generation will commend your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. Different translations also say, We will tell the next generation of the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord. We will tell of his faithfulness. We'll tell how he moved mountains. In January, our church board approved a five-step action plan to address and pay off our current indebtedness. This plan that we are calling Impacting Tomorrow Today position our church to respond to the needs of our community as it grows in population and diversity. Paying off our debt will allow us to reallocate approximately $80,000 annually into local ministry and missions. Our plan includes steps that will address our debt from multiple directions and allow everyone an opportunity to make an impact. So I wanted to share those five steps with you. And we're going to talk about how you can be a part of impacting tomorrow today. We want to paint the picture so you know what the mountain looks like. So when we walk by the mountain, when we look at the mountain, we say, grace to you, mountain. God's going to take care of you. We know what it is that we're talking about. Today, our principal balance is approximately $895,500. It's as of February 1st. So here's the five steps we believe God is leading us to take. We've already taken one. In November, we voted on the, the approving the sale of our Hillview property of 25 acres just north of town. We've, we've approved uh, the sale of that. God has brought us a buyer, and we will uh, see a $500,000 principal reduction from the proceeds of that sale. That will be immediately applied to our principal of our loan. That will take our balance down to $395,500. All of a sudden, the mountain gets much smaller. We can climb that. That doesn't look so imposing any longer. By continuing to make our regular mortgage payments, which we will do uh, over the next 26 months, we will pay an additional $160,000 off of our principal. By simply doing what we're already doing over the, over the span of time that we have allocated for, for this campaign, we will then lower our balance to $235,500. Hmm. Wow, Lord, you're up to something. All of a sudden, now I can see a path. I, I, when I was in at Phoenix, Arizona a couple years ago, I, had to, I hiked a mountain. It was called Camelback Mountain. Perhaps you've seen it or hiked it as well. And you get to the top of this mountain, and you look backwards, and you can see the path that you took to get up. But as you're climbing it, you don't see the path. You don't recognize it until you're on top. All of a sudden now, I can see the path that God is creating for us. Annually, the board is also discussed, and we will address each year as we have a, a, a surplus in our general fund. At the end of each fiscal year, our, our hope as a board is to make an additional principal payment every April. Uh, we continue to see a faithful and strong giving in our church. We're thankful for that. But we're, our goal is $20,000 in additional payments each year, depending on the status of our tithes and offerings. This will obviously vary depending on how strong of a year we have. But this $60,000 over the course of April of 2024 through April of 2026 would bring our balance down to $175,500. Okay, now we're getting to something we can chew on. But see, God goes before us. And even before we began putting the, the details of this plan together, God was already working on the hearts of a family in our church who also was burdened about the indebtedness the church was facing. And they felt compelled by God to, to pledge a matching gift, a gift that they would give with the intent that others would give to match that gift. And they've pledged $50,000 towards our indebtedness. Now we're down to $125,500 which brings us to the fifth step of, our, of God's plan. Introducing today a congregational capital campaign. 
where we will commit to, to giving above and beyond our tithes and offerings over the next 26 months from March 2024 through April of 2026 to pay off fully in our indebtedness, not taking 13 years, but instead taking two. Positioning us, preparing us to meet the needs of our growing community. Now, there's no spiritual reason for April of 2026. Uh, there's just some practical reasons for it. One, it's the end of our church fiscal year. So our fiscal year runs from May 1st through April 30th. And, and that is also the date, April of 2026, when our current rate will likely increase. We have a business loan. Business loans are not like home mortgage loans. Uh, our rate is not locked in for 30 years. It's renegotiated after five years, every five years. And with the, where current rates are, we anticipate our rate increasing by 2%. Our interest rate will increase in April of 2026, meaning we'll pay more interest and not receive anything additional in response to that. So we think the window makes sense. We believe this is what God's put upon our heart. And not only will this pay off our debt 11 years earlier, but it will save our local church at least $300,000 in interest payments. That to give you a little bit of context. That's currently about six months worth of giving in our church. It'll save us that much over the lifespan of what the mortgage would be if we did nothing. As gifts are received, they'll go right back out. The more we pay up front, the more we'll save in interest. Obviously, if we have more than $125,000 pledged and given, then we can pay off our debt sooner. Amy and I have given our first $1,000 towards this goal. My wife's back and thinking, we have? <laughs> We've done what? <laughs> what do you mean, first $1,000? <laughs> We want to impact tomorrow today, church. It's a mountain, I get it. It's big. And 18 months ago, I wasn't sure how God was going to do this. But now I'm excited to see and to watch and to be able to witness what he's, I believe he's going to do. Now, if you're visiting with us this morning or you're new to our faith family, I know this seems like a really irrelevant and strange message. <laughs> and I apologize in a way for that. But what I do hope that you do take away is that we are a church who desires to be intentional. That is, is taking steps to prepare and to position ourselves to impact our community. We're a church who doesn't simply want to be a tree of leaves, but rather is a tree that produces fruit. We want to be a place where people can come, where they can find hope, and they too can be invited into a covenant relationship with a loving God. And, and, and that's not all driven or, or manifested or, or even... Um, taken care of by money, but, but money does help when it comes to ministry for us to be effective in what God's calling us to do. Being a good steward is part of the conversation. In no way does this imply that those before me were not. Rather, they were responding to the situation at the time. And I'm simply responding to, as God has impressed upon my heart. I knew before I even started as your pastor, this was something God wanted me to do. If I did nothing else, he wanted me to help address the debt and to position our church to be a an impactful force in our community. John chapter 20, verse 31. And this is kind of the, the theme verse for the Gospel of John, and I hope it becomes a theme verse for us as well as we move forward. These things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. I desire for us to be a church that shares life not just with ourselves inside these four walls, but with a community that is changing, that is growing, and that needs Jesus. So while this is still a mountain, we now realize that we are people in covenant with God. And as God said to Zerubbabel, what are you, mighty mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you will become level ground. 
I look forward to April of 2026 when we can look backwards and say, look at the level ground that God has brought to us. Next week, we'll have campaign cards available. But in the meantime, we hope that you'll begin praying. And that you as a family will discuss how can you help? How can you be involved? What would God have you do? Some may be thinking, I sincerely cannot afford to give more. I get that. My response would be, keep doing what you're doing. Because part of our plan is if our giving remains healthy and strong, we as a, as a, as a leadership team are going to continue making additional annual payments from our surplus. So by being faithful, you contribute to the surplus, which allows you then to contribute to what God is doing. Others, perhaps you are able to do something else, additional, more. Be open to what God puts upon your heart. Don't restrict or handcuff or limit him. See, our continued response to God's faithfulness, the giving of tithes and offerings, will make that possible. Perhaps you remember back in October, Reverend Dwayne Mills was with us. He made a statement that I thought was compelling. He put his yes on the table before God even asked the question. Perhaps today we need to put our yes before God before he even reveals to us what the question might be. He's our covenant partner. We can trust him. He's proven himself faithful. His power and his strength will help us face this mountain that's before us. Our part is to prepare and to continue working to be people of mission and purpose. I look forward to the next several weeks of sharing with you the progress of our vision team and the things that we are identifying. We see what God is showing us, who he is wanting us to be and to become. I look forward to sharing with you the values that we're now working on as a vision team and, and what we're going to look like as a church in the future. This is not new stuff, but rather God is sharpening our focus. I look forward to sharing with you the, the great and praiseworthy deeds of the Lord so the next generation may know who he is. Not only is he a God who loves us, but he's a God who will continue loving and will love those that God brings into our lives and across our paths. God is faithful. And I believe he's going to take care of the mountain before us. And this sharing of strength, this exchange of strength as his covenant partner, we then are faithful and obedient in positioning, allowing him to prepare us to be who he has called us to be. Remember Jesus in the fig tree? He finishes his response to his disciples in verse 22. He says to them, if you believe, you'll receive whatever you ask for in prayer. As a covenant partner, we don't go to God with this wishy-washy belief. Rather, we go to him faithfully believing he hears us. He knows us. As we, we ask because we're responding to his spirit. We, we're asking not of something that's, that's immeasurable he's unaware of. We ask in response to how he's leading us to the burden he puts upon our heart. So we begin to pray today. And I know that I'm not the only one. But for perhaps you haven't thought about this. And today it's just a burden of your pastor. But I hope in the days and weeks and months to come, it becomes a burden of our church to impact tomorrow, today, by the choices that we're making. So we're going to do something a little bit different today. We're going to pray. And I want to call us together for a time of corporate prayer. And, and I'm going to pray at the altar. You're welcome to pray wherever. I hope that some of our board members, our vision team, our leadership team will join me. You can pray in your seats. You can pray with one another. You can pray with your spouses. Don't, I don't want this to be an uncomfortable time, but rather to be a time of belief. We're going to go to God this morning. He says, Lord, we believe you're leading us to this place. You, you've brought us here. We're a part of this faith family, and we're excited about what you're doing. 
God, we're excited about looking forward to the day when we can look back and share with others what you have done. So I invite you to stand with me. And just to, for a few moments, allow God to help us to speak into us, to speak to us about how God might we impact tomorrow, today. What might you be stretching us to do? And if there's four of you that feel led to do what the other family has done and you want to give 50000 as well, we could wrap this thing up tomorrow and be finished. <laughs> That'd be quite the story, wouldn't it? God is good, church, right? We sang of his goodness. We raise our hands at his goodness. We, we, we worship. We praise him because of his goodness. Goodness sometimes requires us to respond. And what that looks like for each of us, that's between you and him. Please be willing to at least have the conversation and see what he does. For those that are visiting and new to us, we're glad you're here. We're excited to meet new friends and to see new faces. And we hope that you get to see what it is that God's doing in this place. Because it's big. And I'm excited. And I'm glad that two years ago this week, our names were brought to your board. Who would have thought where we'd be right now? We thank God for it. And I hope, I believe, we're just getting started. We're in this together. This is our mountain. So I'm going to pray. And I invite those who'd like to join me. You're welcome. You bring them. Pray wherever you feel comfortable. We're going to go to the Lord this morning. We're going to pray in boldness. We're going to pray for wisdom. We're going to pray for the recognition of his grace. Maybe he wants you to give up a cup of coffee. That's easy for me. I don't drink coffee. But if you find that thing in your life that maybe God's going to impress upon you, so that we can impact tomorrow, today. Father, we all have times in our lives where we come face to face with the mountains that are before us. And Lord, we all can point to those moments where we've been overwhelmed by the enormity of it, by the size, by the impossibility of it moving, of not being able to find a way around it or a way over it. And we feel hopeless, perhaps even helpless, Lord, we're reminded in your word that you're a God who moves mountains. You flatten them. <laughs> As if to say they're really not that big after all. We recognize, Lord, in this place that we as your people are facing a lot of mountains today. A lot of things that can distract us from you. A lot of burdens that we're carrying, a lot of struggles that we're facing. Perhaps it's a diagnosis that hasn't uh, gone the way we've wanted. Perhaps, Lord, we're having struggles with our marriages. Lord, it might be our children. Maybe it's a job. None of us are immune from the challenges of life, from the need at times to climb. But, Lord, would you remind us today that we don't do it alone? We have a covenant partner that climbs with us, that reaches his hand down to us, that lifts us up when we need help, that walks beside us when you'd be comforted, who holds us. We just need to know that we just can't go on, just can't continue on our own. Lord, we're reminded today that we have a covenant partner in you. We're also, Lord, reminded that we are in this together as a church. And that there are mountains we will face individually, but there's also challenges that we face corporately. And today, Lord, we believe you've brought to us this opportunity to say to the mountain before us, 
What are you, mighty mountain? You're not too big for my God. Lord, we see you at work. We are amazed at the pieces you've already put into place. Lord, we are celebrating and we recognize with renewed vigor, Lord, the opportunity, God, before us to add to the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, to add to our story, to be able to tell of how good you are. When your people get united by the leading of your spirit, we get to see you do great things. So God, today we pray for vision. We would see what it is you want us to do. We pray, Father, today for, for generosity. We pray, Lord, today for the willingness, the courage, perhaps, God, to be obedient. We pray, Father, we wouldn't cheat ourselves out of an incredible blessing. We wouldn't rob ourselves of the opportunity to be part of something significant. We will see what it is you're doing and run to be part of it. Great things, Lord, you have done. Great things you are doing. And Lord, we get to be witnesses. We have a front row seat to it all. Lord, we don't do this because we need money. We, we, we don't do this, Lord, because I, you haven't been faithful. We, we don't do this, Father, because of, of any selfish ambition. But Lord, because we want to be a fig tree that's more than just leaves. We want to be a place where fruit is observed and witnessed, produced, where people come into who you are. People also can learn how beautiful it is to become a covenant partner with God. Lord, speak to the hearts of your people. Whatever you would have for us, God, help us to hear you. Lord, may we not be afraid to respond. Show us, Lord, you've been faithful. Now it's our turn. God, I thank you for this faith family, for what you're doing in the life of this church. I'm glad to be a part of it. Lord, we're going to give you praise right now in advance. And we look forward to, Lord, to 26 months from now, 24, 22, 20, what, however many time you have. If it's 28 months, Lord, we're still going to give you praise. If it's 36 months, God, we're still going to give you praise because you're good. We want to see your hand at work. Lord, it's all for your glory. Continue to shape and to mold and to lead your church. We look forward, Lord, to adding to your story. God, be glorified, I pray, in all that we say and do in response to this effort to impact tomorrow, today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day. We will share more in the weeks to come. Good afternoon.